Welcome back to Field Trial Lifestyle. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jessica. And in today's episode, we're going to give you three mistakes we made with our first dog that we hope not to repeat with our second dog. Uh, the first is running derby. How would you characterize our experience running derby with our first dog? Well, we started running derby as an extension of our puppy stakes, and we were just having a lot of fun. And we didn't really have any firsthand experience with the negative aspects of derby that can come from catching birds when your dog is not broke yet. Yeah, and I think that when the advice we got was our dog was ready to run derby, and so in my mind, I was thinking of it kind of like, you know, uh, a, a kid who's on the junior varsity and then he's ready to go to varsity. And it was like really an exciting thing. Like, great. Our dog has advanced to the level of derby from puppy, but it's actually not quite like that. And I think that as we sort of got more into the derby, no, granted, we probably ran, I don't know, five to eight derbies. It's not like we did like 50. It's not like we did like two, but I think probably like between five and ten derby stakes and as we were moving through that first season people would say things to us like oh you know you got to be careful with that and we were like what do you mean and they would explain that you know when the dogs catch birds it sets back your training and it might make it harder to get to the broke dog stakes but in our case our dog was doing really well and we were having fun as new people and so i think anytime that your dog is successful and you're like oh this is great so i think that was the kind of tension we were feeling where our dog might catch two birds in a derby, but if he got second place and we had the ribbon, we were like, oh, this is great. And I think there was a lot of like internal conflict around that for us. So we made it through that season. And I think particularly with, you know, the pros and cons of derby, it's something that we wouldn't do for, it's something that we wouldn't do in the future. Based on what we know about the dog that we have, we feel like we probably shouldn't have done derby. And I think that kind of the qualifier there is derby doesn't mess up all dogs but just knowing the dog that we have now we feel like it wasn't the best thing for him because he has seemed to fall in love with like catching birds he'll still point and he'll still stand birds but he seems to really like the catching part and i think that his brain has been a little bit scrambled by derby and so we have to kind of undo that scrambling and again in retrospect if we could have avoided that i think that would have been the choice that we would make do you agree yeah, and as we've learned, if your dog is progressing toward green broke and is becoming more steady, they will become broke relatively quickly, and then the derby points won't even matter. Yeah, I think that's a really huge point is that, you know, if you're desperate for those derby points, it's going to be harder to get the points in the broke dog stakes, but if you have a really good dog over time those things will sort themselves out and sometimes by doing derby you set yourself back and so it takes you even longer it might take you another season or half a season to get to the broke dog stakes so if you're on the fence about it i would say do puppy all the way through do a lot of puppy skip derby and then you know train for the broke dog stakes but again that's just with our particular dog and just keeping in mind that you can do derby up until your dog is two years old so you know, maybe it's better to wait until they're closer to being steady and giving yeah. it a try before they age out. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that it might be better to ideally if your dog is broke before they get to two, you can run your dog as a green broke or broke ish dog in Derby. And I think that's okay, but it's running Derby in the beginning before the breaking process that creates a lot of problems. Okay. 
Number two, there's a difference between house habits and field habits, and we didn't realize that sometimes the way you treat your dog in the house kind of bleeds into the way that your dog acts in the field, and sometimes that can create problems. And one of the first examples that we came across in that regard is teaching your dog to sit. When you teach your dog to sit in the house, they're sitting anytime that there's pressure being put on them in order to please you and receive that reward. So sometimes what you can see is dogs applying that same mentality in the field. So they're up on a bird, you're heading up to flush, you're asking them for steadiness, and they are a little bit confused about what you're looking for, so they decide to sit. Right, and another example of that would be things with fetch. So when we had our first dog in the house, you know, you try to keep things away from the dog, but dogs always want shoes and, you know, washcloths and just like anything they can grab. And so I, at least speaking for myself, I had this relationship with the puppy where anytime he got something I didn't like, I was like grabbing it away from him. And then there's, you know, sometimes the puppies want to play games with you where they get something in their mouth and they see that you want it. So you're chasing them around the house and you're getting frustrated and they're having a good time. But then you finally get them and you take the thing away and you're like, give me that, give me that, give me that. And then so the relationship you have with the dog at that point is they're building the understanding that when they have something fun, you're going to take it from them. And, you know, if you have a dog that only stays in the house, it's not that big a deal. But when you take that dog out into the field and you're trying to teach fetch, ideally, we don't want our dog to have a natural fetch. But if you've spent one, two, three, four, five, six months taking everything fun away from your dog and they get that bird in the field and they're supposed to bring it back to you, it's not really going to work as well as you want it to because that dog is trained to stay away from you when they have something fun. So with our second dog, anytime he got something that we didn't want him to have, like a shoe or piece of paper, garbage, whatever, we would call him here and then trade him for a treat. Right. And I think that that's a really critical part of making sure that relationship stays good because for us, it was just practically easier because you're not having to chase the dog around or do like, get over here, da, 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 da. get like, you know, try to get like firm with the, with the dog. And the dog was, it was a win-win situation for everyone. So when it came time to work on his retrieve, I think it was a much smoother process in the beginning. Okay. So the third mistake, that, at least for me, that I made was listening to and reading like 10 different trainers but not really coming to my own understanding of what is going on in my dog and going on with bird dogs in general so the reason that's a problem is because you know as you're as you're moving into this world every trial you go to there'll be like four or five people there who will talk your ear off about everything that they know so you have an idea about sort of one component of the bird dog world and you watch a video and you're like yeah this must be true because so and so you know because this kennel i watch online they said it was true and then you go to a trial and someone's like oh no that's not the way you do it here's the way you do it and then you leave there being like oh yeah that that way sounds better and that every time you talk to another person who you know if you go to a trial and there's 50 people there there's like 60 opinions about how to do anything you can just jump from like opinion to opinion to opinion and you get to a point where like you see something happening with your dog and you're like, oh, that's not what I want to happen. And then a trainer tells you, oh, the reason that's happening is because of X, Y, and Z. But then they might try to resolve that situation, but their approach is not working. And then you're like, you're just kind of like lost. So 
as you move through this bird dog world, you need to develop your own intuition about why things happen and what things work for your dog. Because if not, you're just jumping from one trainer's idea to another trainer's idea to another trainer's idea, and that's not really helpful for you. And so I think that as you talk to trainers, try to find the things that all good trainers have in common and really start with those as your fundamental beliefs. And a way to sort of make sense of these things is to ask a bunch of different trainers the same question. Like, ask everyone you meet who's willing to give you advice, like, what do you think about, you know, training on pen-raised birds? And kind of summarize all the opinions you get and think about what you know about your dog and kind of build that into your own learning and your own understanding. Okay, so those are three of the mistakes we made as new owner handlers. We made mistakes running too much derby, we kind of confused house habits and field habits, and then we didn't really develop our own idea of what was happening with our dog. We just sort of listened to everyone who's willing to give their opinion, and ultimately that just confused us. Thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Instagram at fieldtrial underscore lifestyle, and we look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks.